Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Mira, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Hello, and thank you for tuning into another episode of the Toddcast Show. Today, we are joined with someone very special named Junie. Junie, how are you today? I am doing great, and I'm so sorry if my dog just uh, barked. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. By uh, nature of the contract, we need to name the dog, too. <laughs> we need to name the what? Oh, we need to know the name of the dog. Since oh, Dot the Dog. She is dog? my 10-pound rat terrier. Awesome. That's cool. I think <laughs> the dog would like to be interviewed on the show. Just let him know. No treats unless they, they he's got to sign up like everybody else. You know, <laughs> adhere to the schedule, that sort of thing. Um, sure. <laughs> it's really great to meet you. Where are you calling from today? I am calling from Portland, Oregon. Oh, yeah? Yes. Wow, Portland. A lot of uh, Portland in the news lately. What's it like there today, uh, living in that area? Is it crazy you know, or normal, or how's it going? To be completely honest with you, so I'm, I'm kind of new to Portland. I moved here in July, but, you know... One thing I've learned about the news is they really like to blow things out of proportion yeah. a lot of the time. And so coming here, especially the fact that I came from L.A. Uh, and I've lived in the Bay Area, you know, the, I'm assuming you're referring to the homelessness and uh, stuff. And it's, yeah. And it's not it's it's not like that. It's not like the way it's portrayed in the news. Um, okay. There are definitely areas of town that you tend to want to avoid, but that's how it is in every city. And I actually think that the homelessness in San Francisco is is worse than it yeah. is here. Um, it, it's actually quite quite beautiful and 
people are very friendly. Um, I've had no problems. I feel very safe. Uh, but, you know, I do have to, I don't go to certain parts of town, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, that's the same anywhere, you know, so, I mean, yeah. it makes sense, even here where I live in central Arizona. Uh, not as much, it's the country. You really have to struggle to find a dangerous place here, unless you fall off a rock or get eaten by a rattlesnake or a wild snake, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's a whole other story. Uh, right. Wow, that's really good news because Portland and oh, Oregon really is one of the areas I've always wanted to relocate to. I used to live up in Northern California in Arcata. Do you know oh, yeah. um, that area? Yeah. Okay. So, so nice. Would you say it's a little bit like that? You know, yeah. I mean, anything because I'm, I'm from California. I, li- I lived in um, Garberville for a little while. Oh, really? And I've been to Arcata. Yeah. So basically, cool. there is there are some similarities for sure. I think, uh, yeah, you know, that lush, um, you know, lots of trees, very, um, kind of very expansive. Oregon, I feel like, even takes it to another level. Really? Um, Tell me about that. Yeah, I just, it's so beautiful here. And um, what I like about Portland itself is that it's a city, but it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like a city like, San Francisco, but to me, I get I can't relax in a city like San Francisco. It's just, I mean, I was born in the Bay Area, but I I hated going to the city or driving in the city. Uh, I like I'm a little bit more of a nature person, and Portland is full of parks, flowers. It's called the City of Roses, and uh, some of the most beautiful fragrant roses I've ever smelled in my life. And there's mm. You know, it's it's a city on the river. Uh, I love rivers, and yeah, me too. Uh, you know, yeah. So it is a lot of this kind of similar landscaping. So if you if you like that, you probably like Oregon, and I mean Portland's just one part of Oregon for sure. Totally. But, uh, yeah, it's very beautiful here. That's amazing. And were you born in the area, or you mentioned LA and some other places? Where were you born? So I was born in the Bay Area in California, uh, mm-hmm. in San Jose, actually just maybe down the street from where Apple headquarters are. Wow. And um, yeah, so I grew up from the Silicon Valley and um, had, a, had a really nice experience there. Went to school in UC Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've moved all over the place in my life, but most recently I was living before... Portland. I was living in Los Angeles, and wow. uh, yeah, and I I like Los Angeles too. I, I really? <laughs> You'd have yeah, a hard every- time selling me on that one, man. I don't know if I could be sold <laughs> on that. Portland. I can buy that, but LA, you're gonna have to work to sell me on that one. Yeah, yeah, not LA is definitely not for everybody. But one of the reasons why I liked LA was because people have a lot of energy that they put towards their dreams. So, you know, for example, you you decided that you wanted to start a podcast and you believed that it could happen and you made it happen, right? Yes, yes. Like you. people in LA, yeah, I mean, that's a dream that most people will never realize. They don't, they talk themselves out of it. But you decided there was no reason why you couldn't do it and you did it. And yeah. that's a big accomplishment. In LA, people do that on so many different levels. And, you know, I don't, 
Well, I mean, you know, it can it can be small dreams, it can be gargantuan dreams. And there's I liked being around people who had that type of courageousness yeah. and who were willing to take a chance on themselves. I did like that. I mean, obviously there are flaws about mm-hmm. LA and I I don't live there anymore for a lot of reasons. But um <laughs> but I'm not somebody that hates that hates Los Angeles even though I would say I'm probably in the minority for that. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it's just such a busy place. I mean, I grew up in Orange County, Irvine, back when there were dirt oh, okay. roads and orange groves and things. Like, it was great, you know, and man, mm-hmm. things have changed so much. We used to, when you'd ride your bikes, we were little kids riding our bikes around in the orange groves, and back then they had all the Mexican workers with uh, salt guns, and they'd shoot you with a salt gun. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, my yeah. gosh. For, like, yeah, that was like, or something? Yeah, they didn't want people stealing the oranges, I guess, and you know, yeah. that was like way before there was ever even the word migrant spoken. But, you know, for whatever the reason, it was always people from Mexico that did the yards and lawns. And boy, they were the best, too. You know, no question about it. That's who I would want guarding my oranges. Um, mm-hmm. they, they take that stuff really seriously. But um, yeah, so I, I'm with you. But Southern California has changed so much. And I can see mm-hmm. why you'd want to move. Um, what was the catalyst for moving for you? What What ended up being the deciding factor that, you know, hey, I'm getting out of California. Well, you know, I, (laughs) there were some big and small reasons. I, uh, it's very expensive to live Mm -hmm. there. And I wanted to kind of minimize some of my expenses because I had decided to kind of do a career change. And, um, and so I wanted to change my expenses a bit. It was, it's, it's super hot in Los Angeles, and um, I just didn't quite really enjoy that. And I also think I look really dorky in shorts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's that's one of my superficial reasons. I mean, it was obviously wasn't a main reason, but it was just you know it was like icing on the cake. And I just wanted I wanted to change. I have um, I have some friends up here that I really resonated with, who I felt like I wanted to be closer to. And the major catalyst was, um, well, every year these, you know, some of these friends would say, you should move to Portland. And I would be like, yeah, I should. But then there would always be some reason why not to. And then when that, that conversation came up this past year, I realized there was nothing that was really standing in my way. My lease was up. And I said, you know what? Maybe. And, uh, a friend of mine, who I had been doing some work with, she had a, a, a work opportunity for me, and I said, you know what, everything seems to be kind of matching up and opening up a pathway for me. I've always mm-hmm. wanted to move up there. I would like to be closer to nature yeah. and, um, and, and these people and be in some cozier weather, and uh, I just was decided to take a chance. Oh, that's so cool. Um, I know you just got there, but do you have any idea if the summers are mild or is it getting hot up there too? Oh, yeah. That was a surprise. I did not anticipate. So, uh, the summer, this, they've been having unprecedented weather in the Pacific Northwest and it was really hot. And the thing about Washington and Oregon is that because you're, they had mild summers for so long most or a lot of the housing doesn't have air conditioning in it 
So it, it was up to, um, I mean, over 100 degree weather on several days this summer. And, uh, I mean, I have a little portable AC unit for my apartment, but it was, it was pretty miserable for a bit there. And, uh, luckily it's starting to cool off, but, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I wouldn't consider it a mild summer <laughs> by any means, wow, to be honest crazy. with you. Yeah. yeah. Usually rains up in that area a lot, I thought, you know. It does, it does, and that is what we're moving into soon. Okay. But, uh, yeah, this summer, I mean, I've been here a couple months and, you know, for most of the summer, and I think it's only rained once. So it's, um, yeah, and it's been blazing hot. Although now that we've hit mid-September, we're in a much more kind of, you know, like the California nice weather where it's upper 70s, maybe low 80s. Yeah. Which is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you got that right. Um, is the humidity <laughs> really low or does, is there humidity because of the trees and stuff? Humidity yeah. is, is, is mellow. Yeah, it's not very humid. Um, I'm sure it's going to get more humid with, you know, when rain hits, but then we won't have the heat. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's been super pleasant. Super. That sounds great. And, uh, growing up, did you have both parents, uh, your whole life or were they together your whole life? No, when, let's see, when I, I was, my parents got divorced when I was six. And, um, you know, my, they both lived in the Bay Area for a bit. But when I graduated high school, my dad started traveling. Um, he, he moved to Mexico for a little bit and then up to Washington State where I had some family. He was taking care of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. who had cancer and then wow. um yeah and then after she passed away he actually moved to Thailand and wow. he's been there ever since so mm-hmm. my mom still lives in the house that I was grew up in wow. uh, with my stepdad I know it's pretty pretty rare right yeah but, that's cool uh, yeah yeah although their house because it's right down the street from Apple it's a very modest house, but it'll probably go for $2 million if they sell it. <laughs> so oh, man. Telling them, you guys should sell your house and just, you know, live yeah. the rest of your days. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I have good relationships with both my parents, but my, um, yeah, my dad lives far away, so I don't get to see him very much. Oh, that's a bummer. And do you have siblings? I have two brothers. I am the uh, only girl, and I'm the middle. Man, that I, I always wish that my mom would have uh, produced a girl. Uh, we got three boys. Like, uh, oh wow, <laughs> yeah. Talk about a drag. Like, I didn't learn anything about <laughs> girls when I was young. Nothing. I had to figure it out on my own, and there was a lot of fumbling that went on. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three boys. That's that's a lot. Of, I wonder what those grocery bills must have been. Um, not, not that bad. Not that bad. No? The, no, the oldest one was gay, and he was already gone by the time me and my other brother were together, really. And he was off uh-huh. to college and doing his thing. And then the other one was uh, going into the police academy, and also he was like the meat and potatoes. But we weren't mm-hmm. so bad. It wasn't that bad, I don't think. I mm-hmm. honest now, as an adult, I look back and 
not having children myself, um, I don't know how in the hell she pulled that off. Like, how did my mom oh ev- my gosh, e- every day have breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Like, I mean, how did yes. she do that? It's amazing. Yeah, I, I completely relate because, yeah, like, just like I said, my parents got divorced when I was six, and my mom had us, you know, all week, and then my dad had us, like, every other weekend. And, oh, my gosh, we were we were all really close together in age, and, like, what I I... I don't have kids either, so it's, I can't even imagine. I can barely imagine doing that for one. I know, three. exactly, right? Exactly, like it's a big deal to have a dinner party like once a month or once every six months. It's like, <laughs> yeah. all right, we'll do it. It's like, you know, so you really have to appreciate parents and moms especially, honestly. I mm-hmm. mean, dads do it too, but moms have a, something special, you know. Yeah. It's just something kind of special about a lady's touch. Um, <laughs> I think that's a good thing. Um and so right now, uh, you're in Portland and mm-hmm. basically your childhood, does it align with where you are today as an adult? Uh, do you see yourself where you thought you'd be like when you were younger? How does that vision look different or the same today? Huh. That's a really interesting question. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be an actor. <laughs> or a singer and I, I was I was involved in theater and music throughout my childhood and into college and then, you know, after college. Um and I've gone a I've actually gone a completely different direction. So I think oh. as a kid I would have imagined myself, you know, maybe on Broadway or, or something like that. Um and I you know, I won scholarships when I was a teenager and everything for, you know, my, for performing arts. But then I, and I still, um, I still sing and, and all that stuff, but I've gone, I've gone with a different passion, uh, which is, you know, with health and nutrition. And oh. that, you know, that came about from, uh, you know, a health crisis that I had. Uh, oh. and that kind of changed my whole life. <laughs> wow. And when did that happen? Well, in 2019, uh, I was 41 and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And, uh, you know, that's one of those, yeah, that's one of those things that you really never, I don't think anybody's ever prepared to hear those words that you have cancer. And, um, you know, so it was, it was one of those things where I I really felt jolted to kind of look at my life and, and my, my habits, my lifestyle my relationships, my job, like kind of everything and wow. uh, evaluate if I felt like I was living my life, um, you know, the way I wanted to. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, they told me a couple of years ago I have skin cancer and that freaked me out mm-hmm. enough. But I mean, that's not enough to really freak freak out about, but it's enough to be like, oh shit, I better be careful. Um, yeah, you know. no, Definitely. I mean, Jesus Christ. But I, all I really want is the window tinting exemption. A typical guy. <laughs> the window tinting? Wait, oh, is that, you get that if you have skin cancer? Yes, yes. Oh, I didn't but, know that. Yeah, there's a special form I looked into it, at least in Arizona and I think in California mm-hmm. and probably all the states, I would think, um, mm-hmm. you can get an exemption for it. There's a special form and the... Um, dermatologist fills it out and says, yeah, you know, he can't be exposed to 
sun like normal people. And honestly, that's the most I get it is when I drive. That's why, you know. Ah, interesting. I, yeah, I'm sure I'll get pulled over, but it's all good, you know. Um, is there like a card that you get, or um, not, not like exactly if you get sure. pulled over? I don't know. Oh. I know. I know. There's a way out. That's all I'm concerned about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and it doesn't involve acetone and a razor blade. Um, <laughs> once, when I lived in Northern California, I had a car, and when I was in college, it had the side windows tinted illegally. I knew it was illegal, and I really didn't care. Huh. And I drove it around for a couple of years. I was young and whatever. Never had a problem until one day, and. Oh man, like I got pulled over for speeding and he's like, um, these windows are a little dark, so you're going to have to remove that tint. And I'm like, oh my God. So I had to figure that out and it was a nightmare. I mean, it was such a hassle to do it, but I took care of the ticket and that was the end of that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to play by the rules this time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes it's easier to play by the rules. Yeah. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, so you said that you were 41, so that makes you 43 now, right? Well, 40, actually, 42? I... 31? 25? No, <laughs> no I mean, well, I'm 44, and I'm about... I just had my three-year uh, anniversary of, you know, my diagnosis. I'm going to be 45. Maybe I have that wrong. Was I 40? No, I think I was 41. Um, yeah, I'm 44 now. I'm going to be 45 next week. Welcome Actually. to the club, honey. When we get older, oh, yeah? we forget stuff you like forget, that. You forget, right? Yeah, you forget. <laughs> I, know, I know. I feel like since I was been in like my 30s, <laughs> how old am I again? Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, um, That's cool. I guess, yeah. <laughs> very cool, very cool. And um, you mentioned that you went through this experience and it kind of changed your life. Um, mm-hmm we got lots of time to talk about this, but I'd like to explore a little bit about what happened, if, if it's all right with you sharing and, sure. you know, kind of uh, what you learned from it and, and how mm-hmm. other people might be able to benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, it was funny. I, I you heard my dog. Um, so my dog, I worked from home. This was even before the pandemic. And um, before work, I would always walk my dog uh, and, you know, I, I happened to be walking the dog one morning and it was, I'd been running late. So I was kind of in my pajamas and I was just around my little apartment and I wasn't wearing a bra and I, I walked by a neighbor and just, you know, just kind of out of modesty, I sort of, you know, put my arms around my chest. Um, because, you know, <laughs> you can, I, anyway, I just didn't want to be jiggling too much. And well. then, I and understand. Then, <laughs> right, right. And then uh, I felt something. I felt something oh. in my breast, and I hadn't felt that before. And um, I, you know, my boyfriend at the time, like, I, I went back inside. And I was like, "Do you feel this?" And he was like, "I do." I called the doctor's office that day, and they were able to get me in, and um, they weren't super worried about it. And this is an interesting tidbit, like, you know, women, most women, many women find their breast cancer themselves. So even though doctors push it's a lump. Yeah, usually it's a lump you feel. Can I ask ask a quick question just to clarify? And I mean, I'm not a woman clearly, but um, I've got tiny little man boobs, but nothing like that. (laughs) Um, You know, um, the difference between a lump and a muscle, you know, I remember... um, 
certain girls, you know, that I've had experiences with that uh, mm-hmm. had mus- muscular breasts. And so there's like these mm-hmm. big lumps inside there. But like, what's the difference between muscle and lumps? Like, how would someone know that if they had that and felt it, how would they know it would be time to see a doctor? Well, I mean, your your pectoralis majoris, so like your pec muscles, you know, that would be, that's the main muscle in your breast. And I mean, women have breast tissue that's usually fatty and has, you know, milk ducts and all that kind of stuff. So there can be lumps in a woman's breast throughout her cycle. But the most important thing is being familiar with the way your breasts feel, because that's when you're going to notice, hey, that was not there before. Um, and, you know, different lumps can feel different. And they're not all cancerous. Like a lot of women get a cyst. A cyst is usually going to be full of fluid, so it might not be. A lot of breast cancers feel feel kind of hard, um, but different types of tumors can feel different. Some can be very small and hard that might feel like, you know, like a little rock in there or something. Um, it's really more about detecting something that is different. Mm-hmm. And um, But a, a chest muscle is going to feel... You know, it's not going to feel necessarily like a lump. I'm trying to imagine, uh, you know, from your perspective, well, like I, what, what that I, would feel like. I can tell you what it feels like. It feels like okay. uh, if there was such a thing as a warm, frozen grapefruit. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> like a muscle, I, though, you know? She was tough. Okay, like, yeah. she was strong, you know what I mean? I was just thinking about one girl in particular... Yeah. In high school, of all places, and you know, it just you know, that's the only association I have with that sort of thing. But you know, most other breasts have been soft, and you know, without all that. So, like, I just assume that she was buff, or she's riddled with cancer today. I hope she's all right. (laughs) (laughs) I hope she's okay. I hope she's all right. Well, yeah, because that's the other thing is it's gonna be small. You know, it's gonna. Yeah, I mean, if if it felt like it went across the whole breast and was kind of smooth and and felt like a muscle, that's, yeah. you know, that's the muscle. But um, yeah, and she probably was very lean, so she might not have had a lot of fatty breast tissue. Um, but yeah, like I said, again, it's just the most important thing is for the for a woman or you know her partner. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually have a lot of friends who's whose partner found their breast cancer, you know, during, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're making out with somebody and they're, they're touching your breasts, I mean, like, they're gonna, you know, they can find, notice something different, too. Holy Um, crap, talk about ruining the moment, though, you know, like, do you you tell them, do you tell them right then, or do you wait till later, or like, you know? Like, oh, this depends on how far along you are. I but, suppose so. There's something, just remind me, I need to tell you something later, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, you know, but no, I, one of, one of, uh, one of my friends, her husband found, uh, you know, found her cancer and, um, you know, it was actually a really good thing that he did because she had an extremely aggressive form of cancer and uh she had uh, several tumors uh, and that's the thing too is that if it's you know most breast cancer is somewhat slow growing and they kind of think it's been there for a while but there are some tumors that can uh, seem to appear overnight so it's um 
you know, knowing your own body is very important. So do you think, like, um, you know, it just comes to mind here, uh, some people believe that you eat according to your blood type and your ancestry, and that has something to do with how your body processes and wards off disease or attracts it or whatever. Do you think that there's any truth to that? I mean, I know diet plays a role in this, and of course I'm going to want to ask next after that, what, mm-hmm. what you think really causes it, you know, and how do you, mm-hmm. these things even happen? Sure, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I work in nutrition now, and I, I don't know that I think there's one answer for everything. I think there are actually a lot of right answers that can be applied in different scenarios. So I, I'm not super, duper familiar with the blood type diet, but I, I am familiar with it. And I do think that there are absolutely certain foods that are better digested by certain people. Like, for example, I think one of the types of, um, I think I might have even done this test a long time ago. Like, if you're, I have some German ancestry. And, like, German people tend, I, I don't quote me on this, like, tended to be more protein driven so they do well mm-hmm. with meat and blah 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 um don't whereas, forget the sour don't forget the sauerkraut and, and beer <laughs> sure yes absolutely i mean uh, you know sauerkraut fermented foods and yeah potatoes <laughs> all those good things but um you know i think also that people are everybody's everybody's different and there are a lot of cultures like a, a japanese person which is another part of my ancestry doesn't necessarily do well with um with dairy and uh you know so so uh, but people are highly highly individual so you know even though my brother and i have the same mother and father um and so we may have that or we may even have the same blood type we're going to probably have different some different food sensitivities and uh you know do better with certain foods than others i think the biggest takeaway for me with nutrition has always been that it's extremely individual and you know I, I just don't think there's any one diet that people can say is good for everybody because it all depends on where you're at what your digestive system like how good that's working and you know there's a lot of different factors that go into it yeah absolutely so is there a specific cause or is it just different with different people you mean why people are sensitive to different things or or cancer yeah yeah just to kind of you know get a little bit deeper into your subject i was just curious Mm -hmm. like you can't catch breast cancer obviously it's not like a cold Mm -hmm. but you know Mm -hmm. how do how do people develop is it is it just genetic or is it something that you can develop through Mm -hmm. stress or oh yeah, well, that's a great question because that is one of the most common misconceptions about breast cancer is that it's mostly a genetic thing. Yes, there are some people who are predisposed to breast cancer um, through, you know, there's a very specific gene mutation. They call it the BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene. And this was something that was made kind of famous by Angelina Jolie, who had this that it predisposes you to certain types of cancer, breast cancer, ovarian cancer. Her mom died of, I think, ovarian cancer. She made this very radical decision to have both of her breasts removed and have, I think, a hysterectomy to have her uterus removed uh, because her her risk was very high. 
But it's actually kind of controversial within the cancer world because you're not you're not destined to get cancer um, if you have that gene. It just means you are you have a higher risk, and that a lot of your lifestyle choices can you know push you in one direction or the other. So it's pretty extreme to have your breast cut off and your uterus removed just because you might. Yeah. Get cancer, but that's a very personal decision that I I don't judge anybody. But most women who are diagnosed with breast cancer who say, "Well, maybe just take them both," most times the doctor's going to say, "Yeah, that's a bit much. We don't really need to go that that hard." Um, although if you have the BRCA gene, they they do sometimes you know they'll entertain the idea. But um, most breast cancer is actually hormonally driven and. That means that the tumor is being fed by hormonal imbalance, and that is usually due to lifestyle and environment. We know our environment is really, really toxic. Um, yeah. You know, there are so many—they call them endocrine disruptors—so many things that are screwing up our hormones, that are you know chemicals in our mattresses, chemicals that are on. Everybody's pretty familiar with BPA, right? Like. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got BPA-free cans, even though that there's still some stuff with that. But BPA and plastics, um, uh, you know, even a, a receipt you get at the grocery store, the ink, that has BPA in it. You're absorbing things through your skin, uh, through your lungs, you know, all the time. Cosmetics, uh, cleaners, all that kind of stuff. And we are, I mean, this is, not something I love to say, but we we have a lot of obesity. Um, yeah. That's a huge factor, especially for women, but this can also apply to men. A lot of extra fat holds estrogen, and that can throw your body out of balance. Um, you know, nobody loves this one, but drinking <laughs> alcohol to excess can also throw your hormones out of balance specific you know a lot for women um you're gonna tell me that (laughs) please you're gonna gonna ruin coffee for me (laughs) you know coffee i mean actually coffee can be good for you but coffee has a lot i always buy organic coffee um because coffee and tea are one of the highest uh they have the highest level of pesticides so you know just that is something i i organic huh yeah, if you if you go, you know, you want to go with like a pesticide uh, or, you know, something that's not quite yeah. so treated yeah. with pesticides. But Never coffee itself can be very healthy. Yeah, yeah, I love it. But yeah, I know that it's probably not the best for you. Um, but that's good advice, actually. I'll look into the mm-hmm. organic options. That's great. I never think about it. Mm-hmm. I'm, a cheap, I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> uh, you know, I want the stuff that's on sale in the big container usually. And every now and then I'll get a fancy bag, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just for fun. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's that's no, you know, normal. I think most people are are, are like that. But it is, it is one, it's one thing that, yeah, if if you want to cut back on toxins uh, and pesticide exposure, that that's a, a a place to start. Yeah, and it's not crazy hippie stuff. This is real. Like they they have a lot mm-hmm. of stuff and foods that we don't even realize we're taking into our bodies that are unhealthy, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like glyphosate, you know, that's Roundup. Um, that's 
contaminates wow. a lot of a lot of foods. Really? Um, yes. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to ask you a weird question, then I want to go deep with a question mm-hmm. I had a few minutes ago. I've been thinking about okay. how, to, how to ask you, but. Um, so, have you noticed anything weird about cheese lately? Like, this is so off the wall, but like, <laughs> have you, have you, <laughs> let me just explain so you'll understand okay. what I'm talking Okay. So, I've noticed that certain cheeses don't melt mm-hmm. the way that they used to. And I first noticed this, yeah, it's really weird, but like, I first noticed it on an Arby's sa- uh, chicken sandwich. Um, mm-hmm. They have uh, cheddar cheese slices. And I noticed when it melted at the edges, it never melted in the middle, but when it melted at the edges, it looked like plastic. And it was like translucent and weird. And so then other cheeses at home that I tried, uh, mm-hmm. some of them, the cheaper, you know, slices and then blocks that you get and then the bags mm-hmm. that are already sliced, you know, typically from Safeway. So I, I noticed the same thing over the last few months. Like I try to melt the cheese, the damn cheese doesn't melt. That's doesn't, very interesting. Doesn't melt in the microwave and the oven. It does not fully melt, and it's like, what is going on here? And so I did some research and found out mm-hmm. that, um, and you'll be interested to know this if you're not, you're probably already aware, but um, apparently they're starting to put plastic in certain things, like, you know, which I assume cheese is one, uh, but rice. There's a way to test rice in a bowl of water and find out if it's real rice or not. But apparently they're starting to infuse things with all kinds of weird materials. But plastic is what really caught my attention because it, it's a lot like what it, it appears to look like. But I've asked people around here and a couple of people say, yeah, I've noticed that with cheese. And so they turned me on to Sargento brand and I've never looked back. It melts like normal cheese. I feel safe. <laughs> but <laughs> I, Sargento yeah. I was just wondering, though, like, have you paid attention to any cheese anomalies lately? <laughs> you know, that is fascinating. I um, I personally don't eat a lot of cheese. I okay. just, it just doesn't sit well in my stomach, so it's okay. not, I don't eat a lot of cheese. I mean, I, I wow. Um, but you know what? Here's the thing. That is does not surprise me. <laughs> like, me either. You know what I mean? Like, you, you did, and the crazy thing is, I'm sure you didn't have to dig that deep to, like, see what crazy things, like, like companies can put in our food, oh, you know, yeah. that we're ingesting into our bodies, or, you know, um, it surprises me with, like, cosmetics and, and cleaners, like, how many things are actually very questionable in terms of, like, human exposure, but they don't get... They don't get banned or, um, you know, excluded from use until there is a really overwhelming amount of evidence to show that they're harmful. So a lot of things are harming us already, but they just haven't gotten to the point where they've harmed us long enough or, or badly enough that we've, you know, outlawed them. And a lot of times European countries are far ahead of us in that regard. Um, so that does not surprise me, but I've I find that terrifying. <laughs> is it weird? Do you think it's a, do you think it's a conspiracy so or coincidence? Well, you know, I sometimes I I hear myself saying these things. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it's not. It's just it's just the reality of you know our our system is very profits driven. So you know, as 
a business person as in, and also as someone who's worked in a lot of restaurants and you know we've I've, my dad owned a restaurant my ex-husband and I had a restaurant like so much of what it you know everybody's trying to figure out the way to make the most delicious thing with the least amount of cost so that you can make the most money off of it and a lot of times that leads to really low quality ingredients and you know food is Food, I mean, there there are a lot of terrible ingredients. Yeah, you're telling me. You are telling me. Yeah. So, and that's a big reason why I think we're, and they mess with your body and they mess with your signals. And that's part of why I think as a country we struggle so much um, with weight and things like that. Because a lot of these chemicals and a lot of the, the crazy ingredients that are designed to make us want more of those foods. I mean, and that's not a conspiracy theory. That's just like food science. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen any documentaries about how, you know, things are literally engineered to hit the right pleasure receptors in your brain and yeah. certain things so that you are almost addicted to the food. Uh, and then you, you know, if you're eating certain types of food, it's causing a, a response in your body, usually with blood sugar and insulin, which is going to then push you to want more of that food. Or, you know, like that's why you get that three o'clock craving for like a frappuccino. Right. <laughs> Starbucks, because you're trying to bring your blood sugar back up. Your body's like, yeah. you know, so it's it's all it's actually more straightforward than we think, and it, it doesn't have as much to do with willpower or lack thereof a lot of the time it's, it's just our bodies um mm-hmm. yeah so there's something i'd like to know um just curious and um i say this with the <laughs> uh you know um i want to present a sense of empathy but quite frankly i'm ignorant i i will admit to my ignorance okay like okay. when, I, when I think of breast cancer, um, mm-hmm. I don't really understand what it means other than the woman goes through terrible pain and it could kill her. Um, there might there might or might not be two breasts there. I don't really know. Um, mm-hmm. You know when they talk about a mastectomy, in my mm-hmm. feeble feeble mind, they leave a flat spot. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so I don't really know anything about how it works. And I'm guessing that there mm-hmm. are a lot of men just like me that don't dare ask. Um, mm-hmm. But could you explain what it's like to actually have sure. it and what happens so that we can really just kind of connect with your pain? And I don't mean that in a bad mm-hmm. way, but I want to understand what it really means because, you know, the little pink ribbons and stuff are cute. But mm-hmm. to be honest, and I've ran, you know, or walked for Susan B. Komen before and all that, Mm-hmm. in San Diego, but, like, I really don't understand it, and I think if people had a better sense of understanding, it could develop mm-hmm. more awareness and hopefully empathy for mm-hmm. uh, couples maybe going through it. What What is the experience like in its worst form? Mm, I love that question. And, you know, here's the thing, is it, it, it can be so different for every person. Um, a lot of women are diagnosed with early stage breast cancer. So like myself, um, in my experience, you know, cancer doesn't necessarily feel like anything until it becomes a very advanced 
form of cancer or maybe it spread to your bones or your brain or your your liver or something like that. So most most people have early stage breast cancer and you don't you know the tumor doesn't you doesn't usually hurt. Doesn't feel like anything. You might not even feel sick or tired or you just notice there's a lump. And then you go through usually you go through um you have to get a number of tests and then it which is very scary because like I said before, nobody's ever prepared for those words, you have cancer, and um, and you immediately think, holy crap, am I going to die? Sure. Um, which, you know, most women who are diagnosed with breast cancer, it is one of the most treatable types of cancer. So a lot of women, you know, they, they live through it. But Good. there are, yeah, there are um, most women who have a tumor you're going to have surgery. So whether that means they do either something called a lumpectomy or they just take out the, the lump and a, amount and some tissue surrounding the lump so that they make sure there were, wasn't any like stuff they missed or you have a more intensive procedure where they actually remove the breast, uh, which is what a mastectomy is. And yeah, in, in theory, a mastectomy, they do remove everything they take the nipple they take it all uh and it's just flat but there are also surgeries these days where they can like for instance i was a candidate for what they call an immediate reconstruction and uh a nipple sparing surgery so you i got to save you know a lot of women who have a mastectomy they have they might get a reconstruction but they don't have a nipple so they just have like a barbie boob (laughs) <laughs> you know? wow. and, um, or they might get a tattoo or mm-hmm. the, the plastic surgeon can like recreate a little nipple but they take like um, they take skin from like another area of your body and they like kind of wow. create a little bump there um, which is kind of strange right and then uh, then a lot of there's actually these really cool 3D tattoos where they'll make it you know, have a nipple for you um Wow. But here's the thing. Uh, you could you really know. have you could really have fun with a baby, <laughs> <laughs> right? The baby's like, what the heck? Well, yeah, the, the, nothing the, to latch on to. Yeah, but the thing is, um, you know, so there's usually a surgery, and then um, uh, then it depends on your cancer. You mm-hmm. might have um, chemotherapy, so that usually depends on a number of factors whether or not you need that type of treatment um, if the doctor thinks it'll benefit you. And a lot of women with breast cancer actually don't have chemo, but it's many the do. Worst. It's the worst, I heard. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah, it's a very, I didn't have to do it, but it's a very toxic, rough thing because chemo mm. is essentially like just killing cells, you know, it's, it's, and it's killing cells in your stomach lining, killing your hair follicles. That's why your hair falls out. You know, it it just it's derived from mustard gas. Like the history of chemotherapy is actually really crazy. Oh um, God. So there's that, and then there's some women have to have radiation. So these are all things that they're trying to make sure that they're getting um, any cancer that they that might be circulating throughout your body. And you know, it can be very hard on on a woman. Um, especially maybe if she is a mother, um, mm-hmm. 
You know, it's very hard on a woman's self-image to maybe lose a breast, lose your hair. I mean, a lot of women are very connected to their hair. I, I am yeah. certainly one of them. I've always had long, you know, hair. And um, I, again, I, I'm lucky that I didn't have to have chemo. I think that would have been probably more traumatic for me than losing a breast, you know. Losing your hair, losing your eyebrows and eyelashes. That makes you look real weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, not being able to recognize yourself. And the other thing with breast cancer, um, this is going to sound crazy, but you know how so many women these days are, are constantly in battle about their weight, right? So I know a lot of women, myself included, because that's, my doctor thought I was going to need chemo. Luckily, that didn't turn out to be the case. One of my first thoughts, as much as I hate to admit it, but it's just the reality was, ooh, I might get really skinny if I do chemotherapy. <laughs> and the reality is most women actually gain weight when they're going through chemo for breast cancer because they, when you go on chemo, uh, your immune system is really compromised. So they have to give you all of these steroids. Steroids make you really puffy, and they make you ravenously hungry. So most women gain weight, and then a lot of women have to go on hormone-blocking therapies, or um, they have ovarian suppression. So if your cancer is driven by your hormones, they want to block your hormones. And if you're not already in menopause, like if um, that can throw you into menopause, which can also cause weight gain, so it, it's a, a lot of women go through just a real, I mean, not only is it a physical ordeal, but it's an emotional ordeal, and that can affect your relationships, your self-image. Um, so I think a lot of the pain is from the treatment as opposed to the cancer itself, uh, and, um, and just the emotional trauma that you go through because you're... You don't feel like yourself or, you know, things that you normally consider to be elements of your femininity, if that's the way you relate to the world, sure. are um, are taken away. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you would never really have thought of that. That sounds terrible. <laughs> um, thank you for explaining it. But, yeah, that does sound awful. And, you know, it's really real. I mean, none of that mm-hmm. stuff really registered to me before outside of the chemotherapy and whatnot mm-hmm. so i appreciate you yeah. explaining is there anything else that you know the experience brings that uh someone that's never had it before could have nightmares about <laughs> well i think i think it's i think what was worth saying um you know sure i could go on for another hour but at the same time mm-hmm. um one of the uh, one thing i think is really important to say about cancer as an experience and I I consider this my story I know a lot of other women consider it theirs as well is that cancer can be like this thing that actually like stops you in your tracks and finally says hey uh, you need to kind of look at your life <laughs> and um, you know I feel that I'm happier and healthier and more vibrant as a person now than I was before I had cancer because wow. I um, I got really honest with myself, uh, and I changed the things in my life that I just knew weren't working for me. 
and um, and it was is you know scary in a lot of ways, but my life is better today, and my health is better today. So, mm-hmm. cancer. I like to tell people, cancer isn't you know necessarily a death sentence. Or one of my friends likes to say it's it's a it's what did she say? Um, I don't know, it's a life sentence. <laughs> like it's huh. you know. I, I mean, it's it's going to be something that's there with you for the rest of your life because mm-hmm. you do always question is it going to come back but you you are given like an opportunity to kind of create your life going forward and you you really have no choice but to acknowledge yourself um i mean i suppose if you were really really passionate about being in denial you could but uh at the end of the day you have to look at you have to really face your own decisions and choices. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of people don't do that until they have a major health crisis. Like, Absolutely. why, why, why worry? Um, mm-hmm. You know. And uh, so, I consider it a real gift. Mm-hmm. Is if you know, even if that sounds weird, and my no. experience was was not as hard as maybe some other people's experiences, but. I mean, I changed my job, I got out of a relationship, I, you know, changed my lifestyle, and um, it's, I, I have no regrets, but it was definitely, took a lot of, um, you know, took a lot of uh, motivation <laughs> to do that. Absolutely, and uh, we're getting close to the end of the hour. I want to take some time and talk a little bit about how you can help people um, mm-hmm. I know that part of this experience is that you have come to be able to help folks that are going through this. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what you do and how it works mm-hmm. and all that stuff? And then, um, you know, let's make sure that we give people options if they need them to reach out to someone. I mean, you're a mm-hmm. breast cancer survivor, you know, and um, yeah. as a survivor and having learned so much from it, you have a lot to share and offer mm-hmm. and I'm sure that you can help people. So tell us a little bit about that. For sure, yeah. I, um, yeah. I mean, that's this is my passion now is, is helping other women go through the process and prevent the cancer from coming back, and it can be very confusing. So, I work. I do one-on-one. Um, I went back to school for nutritional therapy. Um, I also got a, a certificate, 200-hour certification for uh, meditation, um, because I just feel like the stress that people are under these days, and especially since the yeah. pandemic. Like, people are so stressed out, and stress really does contribute to disease. Uh, that's one thing I've most definitely learned. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I, you know, people can, I'm on, mainly on Instagram. I'm on Facebook and TikTok, but I'm mostly active on Instagram. Um, it's just at Junie B. Well, and um, I'll, I'll send you the links. But that's one of the easiest ways to connect with me on social media. And I do a lot of free, you know, I have a lot of free tips and I'm kind of silly and whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. You can also, on my website, juniebewell.com, I have a lot of free resources. So not only do I have, um, I have a, a couple of free resources specifically for breast cancer patients, and that's where I talk about my coaching services. So if people are going through treatment and they really want to know how to support their body and have accountability and, you know, work with someone who's trained in this type of nutrition as well as knows where what you're going through, that's what I, I do with my coaching. And um, 
but I, I like to have a lot of free resources so people can access that on my website. And I also have a podcast too, um, which is cool. obviously podcasts are free, um, but it's called Tata Cancer and it's all about what it means to heal after you've been diagnosed for breast cancer. And so I cover mm. things like food. I cover how to talk to your doctor. I cover, wow. but I also cover, um, you know, I bring people on who have like very unique ways of, you know, helping people heal, um, whether it's through, I don't know, like a breath work or I have a, I just interviewed a woman who does like singing therapy with people, which was really interesting. Yeah. And, um, but I cover basics too. Like, Hey, if you're in chemotherapy, like here are things to eat if you are really nauseous all the time and blah, 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 blah. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's, that's what I do. And I, I love, I love working with people. I love this community. And, um, oh, and I'm also a member of the, uh, in Portland here called the Rose City Sexual Health Collective, uh, because part of my journey has been about, you know, just being an advocate for women reclaiming their body after losing a breast or, mm -hmm. you know, how do you, if you feel like, you know, you've lost all these elements that made you feel you and, um, mm -hmm. feel attractive. How do you get back to, you know, how do you get used to where you are and how do you find that again in maybe a totally new body? Um, mm -hmm. So I work with, with people in that way as well. Uh, it just occurred to me that women are self-conscious about their breasts. Is that true? Oh, my gosh. Women are self-conscious about everything. <laughs> you know, I mean, can you, you name it. Like, even the stupidest stuff. You know, they have like air, they have deodorant commercials now that are like, you know, make people feel ashamed that their armpits look weird. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know it's so ridiculous. Way but too many yeah, choices. Breast, breast for sure. I mean, like I, you and I were talking before the show about you know, men. A lot of heterosexual men just like breasts. Oh <laughs> you yeah, know, no question about it. Sizes. But, you know, a lot of women, you know, you see these images of these perfect breasts and, um, you know, so it's very easy. We're, we're kind of programmed to be like, oh, well, mine are too small or mine are too big. Mine are too saggy. Mine are too high. My nipples are weird. You know, it's, it's kind of ridiculous how critical women are. All you really need, and I mean, maybe this is a good idea for a business, is a, a panel of men out there to reassure you, nope, love them. Yeah, you know, that is true. Like, honestly, if if if, um, if women were able to, to get real-life input from men to, right. to actually see, like, oh, these ads that are making you think, oh, I need this, this, and this because they're trying to make money from you and make yeah. you feel ugly and inadequate. When in your real life, like, men are not nearly as judgmental for the most part, you know? Um, I, don't think, I don't think women realize that. So mm -hmm. thanks for saying that, Todd. Yeah. Oh, you're <laughs> welcome. Yeah. I mean, it's true. You know, it's true. But... Um, we have, uh, men are typically very superficial in our viewpoints. We like them for reasons of pleasure, starting with uh, early childhood development, you know, but uh, mm -hmm. somehow that just, you know, it's, 
ah, it's a funny thing, but yeah, we're always chasing it, you know, it's like, we can't wait to get away and grow up and be adults, but like our whole life, we're just trying to get back in that blast. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. I mean, you know, I think most, most of, I mean, women have their own version of that for sure, too. Yeah, um, there's something that I didn't mention before, but I definitely want to mention it to you in case you're unaware mm-hmm. of it. Um, mm-hmm. You ever heard of a guy named Royal Rife? Mm-mm. Who's that? Who's that? Oh, yeah, you're going to like this. This is an interesting. He was an American inventor, and mm-hmm. uh, he made something that's called a high-magnification time-lapse cinematography microscope. And Whoa. so, yeah, crazy. And this guy created a way to look at diseased cells while they're still alive. And the microscope that he created is uh, something in the neighborhood of 100 times more powerful than the electron microscope. So way back in the like 60s when he was doing this stuff for the U.S. government, I believe, um, he uh, stumbled onto some things. And one of the things he figured out, and you're probably aware, you know, the body operates at a certain hertz frequency. I forget mm-hmm. what it is. I want to say it's 60 hertz, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not really sure mm-hmm. for sure. And then you can raise and lower your frequency depending upon all sorts of things. So if your frequency is lowered, it becomes mm-hmm. an issue of health and your uh, immune system being compromised. If it's higher, you're happy and you're healthy and everything's good. So think of it that way. But mm-hmm. within, within that spectrum, there's all these different numbers. And those numbers are frequencies. And just like a radio, he was able to identify that certain diseases and ailments responded to a certain frequency response from this machine that he created called the Rife, R-I-F-E machine, Rife, mm-hmm. Rife machine. And so he created this little gizmo and he somehow or another, and I'm just telling the story from memory and uh, just a quick glance at Google to make sure I don't mm-hmm. sound like an idiot. But, um, <laughs> you know, the reality is that um, he created something that was able to identify and then he was able to label the diseases with dye and so he could see like diseases moving around in a live person's body and then he figured out how to shatter those disease cells by emitting a frequency from this special machine and um, ironically enough I've actually had an experience with one of these machines. And, oh, wow. Uh, it was crazy, and it put me in the hospital with pneumonia. It, w- it was real deal. That shit worked, and we should not have done what we did. <laughs> we oh, wow. Uh-huh. We, we were playing with the machine and didn't realize how dangerous it was in their own hands. So, But mm-hmm. long story short, he cured cancer. He cured all sorts of things that we currently still say we don't have cures for. Put out a book called The Cancer Cure That Worked, and you can find it on Google. So if uh-huh. you look up the cancer cure that worked, Royal R O Y A L Rife. Uh, uh-huh. His story is really fascinating. And uh, the couple of times, or a few times, or whatever it was, where they tried to bring this to the public's attention, there's uh, documentation of this. Every person that was going to put it in the public's eye was murdered or disappeared, like mm-hmm. right 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 before, you know, like gone. So you can figure that one out. But like the idea is that there might be more than meets the eye going on in medicine and when it comes down to it one of the things that I believe is that this frequency thing is really real and 
Um, mm-hmm. When we used the machine, we did a total cleanse when I was young. I was like in my 20s. and it, mm-hmm. was the, it was the wrong thing to do. And you're supposed to do like individual cycles. We did like a whole range of cycles. And mm-hmm. then you're supposed to drink distilled water because it's an empty molecule. And then that collects the dead disease cells that have been shattered and eradicates them out of your urine. Mm. So believe it or not, it's like mm-hmm. a really crazy thing. And I'm not trying to say it is like an easy way, but there's something out there that's rather obscure and it definitely warrants looking into uh, for someone like yourself because, you know, it might explain more to how it really works and what the solutions might really be. And there could very well be a solution out there that's just like a press of a button away and they sell these machines somewhere. I don't know how to get them these days, but a friend of mine had one a long time ago, and that's how we got to use it. And and believe me, like uh, I can tell you that whatever it did, like it shook up everything inside. And so if it really does do what it says, that mm-hmm. would be really amazing and fascinating for people that you know are facing death to consider the possibility of another way to look at it. That's all. No, I I actually I. I don't know if I knew about Royal Rice specifically, but I went to like a sound healing conference because um, it made sense to me. And they talked about this thing, and I've actually been reading a number of books right now that discuss because um, you know the cancer treatment industry is like trillions of dollars that come exactly. in. So um, I've been reading about the history of of the cancer treatment industry and it is very scary I mean this is going to sound conspiracy theorist but it's also documented and true that yeah a lot of people who try to bring up these therapies that are not going to make people a lot of money you know they're 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 inexpensive or they're free and they don't require drugs and you know all these things that keep you hooked into the system that feeds into itself uh as any good business model does, like uh, that they they get blocked, um, people die. You know, it's it is crazy, and people don't want to believe that. But I uh, unfortunately have kind of had to look at the reality of that too. Um, and you know, if I go through, if my cancer comes back, I would probably make a lot of different decisions. Than I did before. So yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up, and I yeah, I think it's more people need to be talking about stuff like that. It's really powerful. I think so, and like quite honestly, I think most of the medical industry is a scam, and I hate it. And uh, you know, quite frankly, I I miss the days when things were so simple. And you know, thank God I'm old enough and 50 to know the difference. But uh, young people today don't even know there was a difference. So it's like you know yeah. Uh, yeah. Surprise, surprise. But yeah, the world used to be a lot ch- more chill, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, I agree. Yeah, no chill right now, that's for sure. Well, we're just about <laughs> out of time, unfortunately, but um, I definitely want to make sure that people know where to go and what to mm-hmm. do. So it's Junie B. Well, mm-hmm. but it's not B E, it's just B the letter, right? Junie B. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah, because my last name is Boucher with a B so it's like Junie B but Junie B well that's my that's my practice J-U-N-I-B-W-E-L-L dot com is my website awesome. um, you can access all my freebies you can see how to work with me 
you can write me an email if you just want to talk and, and connect with me. I always love hearing from people, you know, right for on. whatever reason. So, yeah. That's cool. No catch or gimmicks, just uh, people helping people. I love that. Yeah, for sure. That is really cool. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you spending this time and, you know, quite frankly, being so candid about something as serious <laughs> as this. I mean, you also made it a lot of fun. We got to joke, but it is no joking matter. And, you know, I don't want anyone to think that our humor was uh, by any way a deviation from the seriousness of the issue, but it's good to be able to laugh. And, you know, I personally appreciate your attitude quite a bit. You seem to have something kind of magical within you that uh, has carried you forth and you know you're another shining beacon of light out in the world which I just think is wonderful oh thanks Todd yeah this was such a cool experience and I, I love what you're doing and I think it's great to just you know two random people coming together to talk about life right on I couldn't agree more thank you very <laughs> much you're ironically the first person to say that on the show but thank you yeah I'll send you a <laughs> I'll send you a t-shirt when I get them made. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh, that's great. No, but it's really been a joy and a pleasure. And eye-opening for me as a man, you know, another man out there listening, uh, don't take it uh, lightly. Breast cancer is no uh, laughing matter. You know, if you have a woman in your life that's struggling with that, give her love and attention. And uh, any advice to people before we wrap up finally here? Uh, that maybe are dealing with people that are struggling with this, how how can they support them better? <sighs> That's a good question. You know, a lot of it is, is you know, co maybe come with specifics. Uh, don't don't tell, but ask. And a lot of times people will say, hey, anything you need, I'm here for you. But the person who's dealing with it is so overwhelmed that they don't even know what to ask for. So, you know, maybe say, hey, uh, you know, I'd love to help you out. Could I do this? Or is there something specific I could help with? You know, just trying to be specific is, is always great. And a lot of times people don't realize this, but when you're dealing with a cancer diagnosis, it kind of becomes your full-time job. So sometimes helping is just like, hey, can I, like, you, know, you want to watch a movie and just laugh together? You know, that can really help people, too, just give their brain some time off. Yeah, but the most important thing is compassion, right, and empathy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, listening, not not offering advice if it's not asked for, because that can be really tough for people. Like, oh my, oh yeah, my aunt died from breast cancer. That's one thing breast cancer patients don't love hearing. Well, you know, uh, yeah, very cool, very cool. Thank you for that. I appreciate that, and mm -hmm. I really hope that our audience out there will uh, get a hold of you and. You know, make contact, and maybe there's something that uh, will be offered today that they didn't have before. That's really the hope here is that you're able to touch someone's life and help make an improvement in someone else's life. That's really what I hope to see for you. Yeah, thanks. And I work with you know, I my practice is completely virtual, so you know, wherever you are, I, I can help. Oh, perfect. So even other countries doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah. Awesome. That's beautiful. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, that's good. It's not limited. I love that it's such a big but small world at the same time, you know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Junie. I appreciate, again, your time and your experiences and just sharing who you are. It really means a lot. I just want to thank you, you know, for being willing to share. I know it must not be easy, but you seem to handle it like a champ, and I really appreciate that. Uh, well, thank you so much. I, I enjoy these types of conversations, so it was totally. my pleasure. 
Well, let's do it again in a couple of months. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. That sounds great. You have a great rest of the day, and thank you again for being on the Toddcast show. Thank you. You bet. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out ToddCastShow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast Show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Mira, host of the Toddcast Show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.